0: This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Halftime Show Podcast. Oh, he loves the fire that... What a goal! This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri on Pulse95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! Wonderful! Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! (sighs) Ah... can't believe i've walked into pulse 95 radio and i've already got abuse from everyone about yesterday's final like at least let me walk into the studio you know what i mean they didn't even ask me do you want a coffee no they didn't they every single person and i know vikas you're listening. from the second i walked into this building just said to me oh my okay oh my all right everything okay You see what I have to deal with here? You see what I have to deal with when I'm when I'm hosting my own show in the best radio channel in the UAE, on the planet. Pulse Live 5 Radio, we're here. So we're about to bring the energy to you for the next hour. If you're wondering what's coming up on the show today, well euro 2020 has been a memorable tournament for many reasons and every beat has been felt from the first game and we call it an end to what has been an incredible era this european championship now the champions of europe are italy italy have done it forza italia they have done it and well deserved They have done it, but how did they do it and how did it go yesterday in the final? Where did it go right? Where did it go wrong? I'm going to explain that today on the show. That's not the only thing that's happening on the show today because UFC 264 happened and Conor McGregor's comeback, I keep saying comeback, Conor McGregor's return to the UFC 264 against Dustin Poirier for the trilogy happened. But what happened if you haven't caught that fight or the, the obscene scenes From What occurred in that fight? We're about to discuss that as well on the show. So we've got Euro 2020, UFC 264, Wimbledon is over, Messi wins a trophy. Like I didn't need more to talk about today on the show, but I'm going to need all of you to get with me on the hour. And that's on my Instagram Live, Pulse95 Radio YouTube channel. Anywhere you're listening, stay tuned for the next hour on the only place to be at three, the halftime show on Pulse95. This is the halftime show with Omar Adouri on Pulse 95. Oh, he loves the fire This is the halftime show with Omar Adouri on Pulse 95. Nice try! sure is that time. It's the Halftime Show with Omar Dury. I'm your host covering everything sport, international and local. Right, let's get stuck into it straight away. Now, the Euro 2020 has come to an end, unfortunately. But what a tournament it's been as well, especially the latter stages. A lot of people, you know, predicted that, you know, we would get a favorite, a fan favorite at the end or, you know, one of the top seeds. And Italy definitely, definitely did not disappoint. And here's the thing, guys. This is is what, like, for me... There's a lot of things when it comes down to sport that I relate to life. But my only problem is when life actually doesn't relate to sport. That, that's kind of something that gets me a little bit. And yesterday, the scenes afterwards, you know, were the headlines and, and you know, the racism and the comments that were made about the players, uh, you know, the the, the African player or, or at least the mixed players that, you know, missed the penalties and things like that. I, I've really, the, the, there's no space. In sport, for racism, and and no way should that be allowed. And I hope those people that have done that get punished, because you're looking at the game itself, and and it really did set itself up nicely. You know, both teams very pragmatic in their approach in terms of being defensively very, very sound. Mancini versus Southgate, and some people were criticizing Southgate, you know, from the beginning of the tournament for doing certain things but he managed to get them together. And more than anything, guys, and like, let's put let's put the jokes aside and the banter, because I walked in here and everyone was bantering me the second I walked in. Um, what Southgate has managed to do is unite a nation. And I know that sounds obvious, but it's not actually that obvious because for many years, the clubs um, have come first. The loyalty to the clubs, players weren't getting along. There wasn't this camaraderie. To have a setup like what Southgate has done for England And make the players feel at home where they're all together. It's a squad game. There's no bitterness between them. That was really, really special and very, very unique. So coming into this final and everyone was talking about, you know, England have never been in a final. So that already was an achievement itself. The Italians, on the other hand, you know, with what Mancini has managed to do and the blend of experience at the back with the youthfulness of the players who really really came to the scene, especially players like Chiesa. Obviously Donnarumma is very experienced, such a young goalkeeper, but then him really establishing himself before he moves to PSG. There's a lot of factors here in this but what made it really really good as a spectacle was the fact it was a very very even game some people might say no italy were dominant well when england took the league lead early on that was probably against a lot of people's expectations people thought italy were going to probably dominate and score and then sit back the fact that england scored so early you know that was something that really set up the game nice because italy had to come out and play and in them coming out to play there were You know, gaps and spaces to be exposed. Now, whether that was exposed or not, that was probably not, you know, something evident at the end. But the first half, England were outstanding. Honestly, players like Declan Rice, Luke Shaw, you know, um, man, Phillips was excellent. You know, Sterling, obviously a handful. You know, Kane causing a problem, even though, in my opinion, Kane is better up further in the pitch. But the fact that he would drop into the middle would cause a problem for the defenders to come with him, which created the space. And then even people saying that, why did Southgate change his formation to face Italy? Why is he more defensive? Well, the reason being is because he saw how it worked against the Germans. He saw how Spain played against Italy. And the way that Spain played against Italy was dominating the midfield by overrunning them until they had to substitute two out of the three midfielders later on. So Southgate saw that, saw the team he's playing up against, knew that they had incredible talent all over and had to do something about it and that was evident because even though he was criticized coming into this final the people that were involved was Trippier to cross and Luke Shaw to finish and Trippier was the person brought in and Saka was actually left out so you see we can criticize and we can it's very by the way this is another thing and I've been I've experienced this as a coach as well it's very easy when things don't go, right? For people to say, you should have done this and you should have done that and you should have played him. But the, the truth of the matter is he trusted his players and he trusted his squad and he knew it was going to be a long game. And so in doing so, Trippier, the person who he brought in for the final, who he trusts, crossed the ball for Luke Shaw to finish against the outstanding player of the tournament, Donnarumma. So in the first half coming in, looking at the way the game was played out, England were in a very good position. Now, the argument here is, should he have reacted earlier? Should he have done something where it would have had a plan B or a plan C? And even sitting and watching the game myself, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking, you know what? Some of his players need to step up or he needs to change them. And when you look at the team and you look at the creativity, especially sitting on the bench, that was my only concern with the players that are occupying those positions in the starting lineup. And those players would be people like... Uh, Mason Mount, for example, Harry Kane, these are players that you rely on club level. The difference with international level, especially when it comes down to semi-finals and finals, are very marginal, very, very small things, but when you look at players like Jack Grealish, I know Foden was injured yesterday, look at Jaden Sancho, look at Saka, those are players that are creative, they're bold, they're willing to take a chance, and I just felt, as much as Mason Mountain does so much work off the ball, and fantastic work, by the way, off the ball, he's one of those players that every manager has in his team, and despite doing that... I needed more, and I needed more after 60 minutes, and I knew that was gonna be the case. And I, if Italy scored, it was gonna be very, very difficult for England. And I just thought to myself, if Southgate does something now, then he will be able to almost keep Italy on the back foot because players like Chiesa were outstanding. And the fact that here's the tactical move that Mancini switched Chiesa from flank to flank, that caused the problem which pinned down between Kyle Walker and Kieran Trippier to be able to do more in that action. And so that's why Mancini's move with Chiesa, who, who got substituted, and went, as soon as he did because of an injury, you kind of thought, hey, listen, this could actually go England's way. But the Italians, the experience, Bonucci, Cellini, even the game management, and this is another thing that a lot of people, it's very, like I said, it's very easy in hindsight to be able to say he should have and he should have and he'd done this. But the game management was fantastic. And even when it was unfair, the dark arts of football shows through the skill that is, by the way. When you stop a game, when you commit a foul, when you break up a play, the patterns of play on the pitch is something that managers and players and coaches discuss all the time. And when you looked at how there was 21 fouls from Italy and there was 13 fouls from England, And there was five yellow cards from Italy. And it was one yellow card from England. Now, I'm not saying that's why they won. Italy deserved to win this tournament. Now, the game, and people forget this, ended on a draw before penalties. So, tactically, both managers were very, very good. And that's where I kind of say, you know, as much as people might say, oh, but there was possession... Italy had more possession. And yes, in the second half, Italy were much better than England. But as soon as it went into extra time and those players were introduced, now it started to become a game. And you just felt that it's going to be experience versus a team that is learning, is learning a lot about itself. And that's why i heard a lot of people come on and say and i listened to all different radio channels by the way even in the uk and i heard people say oh well southgate was wrong and he should have done this well southgate didn't actually lose the game southgate lost on penalties which by the way when you look at it in hindsight and i did say italy deserved to win based on the tournament they were excellent but when you look at the actual game when Spain played Italy, Spain outplayed Italy, but Italy got through and that comes down to game management. It comes down to the experience of Cellini and Bonucci who are a very rare breed of defenders who love to defend, who celebrate when they defend. When they make a clearance, it's like they scored a goal. Now, having the experience of those two with the 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 new the new wave of talent in italy in donnarumma in a defense in a goalkeeper who who already has so much experience for for a young you know a young boy then you start to see spinazzola who got injured and he came in emerson did a good job lorenzo on the right again good job Veratti's experience fantastic Jorginho. it's not players like Verratti and Jorginho are are extraordinary for a reason not necessarily the assists that they make but how they keep the ball and how they distribute the ball at the right time. Their football IQ is superior to many players in those positions. And a lot of the time we get carried away with stats and we say, why? Why uh, isn't that player scoring enough or assisting enough? What this does for this game and this beautiful game is it shows you there are many ways to win football matches. But more importantly, what it has done, it's united a nation to be able to enjoy a game of football and that's why congratulations to Italy for winning the tournament congratulations to England for reaching the final how they move on from here and how they learn and progress is going to be the game changer when it comes down to Gareth Southgate's men is he the right man for it absolutely because they learned from mistakes they made in the past. They've reached a semi-final and now they've reached the final. The World Cup is in 18 months. This could actually be the best thing for them because it teaches them a lot about themselves. I felt really sorry for Bakayo Saka yesterday. I thought he was outstanding. A 19-year-old who perhaps in many people's eyes shouldn't have played this tournament, shouldn't have started, but Southgate trusted him and repaid the faith. The other players that missed the penalties, as anyone, anyone knows, penalties are a lottery. So at the end of the day, you have to congratulate them. What happened after that in the media and in the, you know, racism, abuse and all that has no space for football. So let's enjoy the tournament. Let's appreciate things and be grateful for a lot of things that happen. Christine, Erickson, uh, Christine Erickson's life, for one, the fans from all around the world enjoying sport, two, and at the end of the day, congratulations, Italy, on their tournament. Fantastic, fantastic tournament. Very, very well done. Very, very happy to see that football won yesterday. And despite the game going to penalties and being such a long game, at the end of the day, we appreciate that. And that is the Euro 2020 final segment over and done. I'm going to take a quick break and be right back after this. Enjoy, folks. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri. Oh, he loves the final It sure is that time. It's the halftime show with Omar Dury I'm your host, covering everything sport, international, and local. Thank you, Mikey, for for joining the room on Instagram Live at Omar Duri. Appreciate that, and thank you for pulling out the tissue box as well uh, and giving me a bit of stick for England losing. <laughs> okay, UFC 264 kicked off. Man, um, everyone was really anticipating Conor McGregor's return and um, and Dustin Poirier. And this one looked really, really personal. You know, coming into this you know, into this fight, everyone was talking about which Connor is it gonna be? Is it gonna be the good Connor? Is it gonna be the the aggressive Connor? Which which one is it gonna be? And and having looked at the mind games behind it when they fought for the second fight, because the first fight Connor won and the second fight Dustin Poirier won, when they fought for the second fight, Dustin Poirier said You know, it was easy for me because Conor McGregor wasn't the same, you know, in your face Conor McGregor. So this time he switched it up. He got very, very riled up for it. He got very, very aggressive. He got in his face. If you watch the embedded in the episodes coming into it, that was, you know, something that, uh, you know, we were looking forward to. And then this fight happens and we're thinking, right, okay, this is finally going to happen now because we know that Dustin Poirier had a chance to fight Oliveira for a title fight, but actually turned that down to fight Conor McGregor for the trilogy. We looked at that and we thought, okay, you know, he's got to look after his family. It's a money fight. It makes sense. Unfortunately, what happened, if those haven't seen it, you should go check it out, is Conor McGregor broke his leg in, you know, what people will say was a freak accident. I think when he when he actually threw he threw many kicks in the first round, and when he threw one of his kicks, and Dustin Poirier checked it. I think that's probably when the the beginning of the break started to happen, because once the body is warm and the adrenaline is happening, you don't really feel much. But then Conor threw a punch, and then. Actually, putting weight on that foot, it snapped, and it was one of the like weirdest things. It was really awful to watch. I mean, anyone that suffers a leg break or any kind of break, normally when it comes to sports or life, you kind of cringe straight away. And uh, you know, memories of uh, you know uh, Anderson Silva and and Weidman, you know, just came to mind, especially recently with um, with Uriah Hall being involved with that. You know. It's not something you want to watch in sport, but all of a sudden the look on Conor McGregor's face was horrifying. You knew something wasn't right. And as soon as that happened, the camera looked down at his leg and it was literally hanging off, which was awful. But what does this mean for Conor McGregor? So on on paper, he loses the trilogy. And although people will say that the fight was um, on points... For Dustin Poirier, because Conor McGregor made a mistake in shooting for a takedown, and in doing so, you know, you, you go against the black belt. And Dustin Poirier, that's that's home for him. Whilst if he kept it, you know, uh, on his feet and, and and focused on striking, it would be a whole different fight. But you know, people forget. You know, Dustin Poirier, 28 and six. You know, uh, Conor McGregor, 22 and six, you know, this this lightweight division, you know, is, is not light and it's, it's not something that people, you know, can take, you know, easily, you know, and, and those two really, really showed it. But now the psychology of that leg break, how difficult is it to come back from such an injury? Um, the news is that Conor McGregor has already had surgery and they've said that in six weeks, it will take six weeks of him being on crutches and really letting it heal before he can put any weight on it again. And, and with these things, and having experienced this recently myself, it's it's such a fight and it's such a mental battle when it comes down to getting injuries that actually prevent you from, from moving. And I say that because movement is medicine. You know, we take it for granted until we no longer have that, that mobility, the, the the idea to be able to turn and twist and, and stand up and put a T-shirt on. You know, these simple things, really, really, you don't think about them until you're actually in them. And Conor McGregor suffering this leg break is, is awful because... As a human, the first thing that happens at that point is you start to think, what am I going to do? How am I going to stay occupied? How am I going to keep my brain ticking or my brain working? There's all these factors that you you wonder, am I ever going to be the same again? Am I ever going to be able to, uh, you know, lift, or push, or pull, uh, get up, stand up? You know, there's there's many factors that, that come into mind. And, and with this Conor McGregor loss, you just question. A lot of people are saying it's over for him in the career of mixed martial arts especially that you know he doesn't need to fight and this is why people sometimes are are questioning why is he still in sport why is you know his his endorsements and all his products and everything they made him a, a, a multi-millionaire so why is he still putting his body at risk and doing these things and i actually just think i actually think that you know conor mcgregor And maybe his ego might be the toughest thing, but Conor McGregor will come back. And I'll say it here on the Halftime Show. I genuinely feel he's going to make a comeback. He's going to use this as motivation to fight Dustin Poirier again. And when we least expect it, the fight is going to be announced. Now, Dustin Poirier fights Charles Oliveira next, and that's exciting. But that means you're looking at at least a year until conor can make him return and if he does all the muscle memory all the ring rust being able to will he take a fight before that there's all these factors that you have to consider and a fighter's mind is very very different when it comes to these things these things you know take a lot f- for you to actually use that kind of energy mentally emotionally and physically so Will Conor McGregor come back? Let me know four two one five at or do. And also, by the way, I have to say I know we're talking two six four. Gilbert Burns does it again against Wonder Boy Stephen Thompson. Uh, tie to Vasa. Oh my God! I don't know whether to to celebrate or throw up after his celebrations against uh, Greg Hardy a knockout. You know, first round, one minute seven. <laughs> That was crazy. And then the woman's banterweight, Irene Aldana for, I can't even say this name, but Yana Kuniti Sakaya um, in a knockout as well in the round one, 4 minutes, 35 seconds. Right, okay, we'll take a quick break. Here's some Oasis Sam Smith, and I'll see you after this. See you in a bit, folks. This is The Halftime Show with Omar Adouri. Oh, he loves the fire that- this is the halftime show with Omar Alduri on Pulse 95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! One It sure is that time. It's the Halftime Show with Omal Dury. If you're just tuning in and kicking yourself for missing the first part of the show, don't worry, you can catch all of our episodes on podcasts. If that's what you like, you can go to Apple, Spotify or SoundCloud. Or if you prefer a visual, head over to our YouTube channel, Pulse95 Radio. And on that, you'll be able to actually see a lot of our episodes with all of our guests and some really, really cool topics as well. Okay, so we've spoken about the Euro 2020. As, I, as you know, I came into the studio. Today, actually, I didn't. Before I came into the building, and I was getting abuse about England losing to Italy in the Euro 2020 final. We also spoke about the UFC 264, Conor McGregor against Dustin Poirier, is making headlines everywhere following Dustin uh, Poirier's uh, victory albeit for Conor McGregor's leg break. Now, a lot of things in that, um, you know, that is, is uh, very worrying for Conor McGregor and where his career will go. Right, that's not, that's not the only superstar who's uh, celebrating at the moment now. Lionel Messi wins his first trophy for Argentina. Like, how nuts is that to think about all the things he's won and... To think that man—he—he's he's never done it with Argentina. And yes, the comparisons have always been there with him and Diego Maradona. But I think, what does this mean for Messi? And a lot of the Barca fans and the Messi fans—you know—they were first ones to celebrate, first ones to be proud, and they should be. They should be. You know, the only question mark when it comes down to Messi and Argentina is how has he not managed? to elevate his team like he has done with Barcelona, um, with all the great players that he has around him. And some people might say, what great players? But I think team players, you think of the quality they've had in in the in attacking positions. You think of, obviously, now having Martinez in goal. That's a big factor. And winning, you know, the best goalkeeper of the tournament. That's huge. But I think even watching them, if anyone watched the... Um, I was going to say Barcelona. If anyone watched the Argentina brazil uh match the other day I mean, it was at 4 a.m here in the uae but it was you know it was just very violent <laughs> very very violent and the 41 fouls committed in a match that i mean had so much uh you know for the referee to to manage and to handle and these pe- these players and these people really in his ear all the time and people rolling over and falling and i think that was that was there was very few bits of quality in the actual patterns of play that you could see and looking at the lineups the lineups were actually very very good so you saw a lot of good things come out of there um and and, and that was very very tricky for um for for brazil but Di Maria scored a great goal. I think, again, you look at the players that they have and you wonder why they haven't done it sooner. But it was, you know, when you think about it, Argentina won 1-0 and they only had six shots in total in a game of 90 minutes with some of the best players in the world. Uh, Brazil did have home advantage, but... Um, couldn't actually convert that with 60% possession, 13 shots. You know, they they had they'd really tried to give it. You know, they really tried to go for it. Richarlison was very lucky not to score. Uh, but again, you look at international football, you look at all these people and you wonder, wow, what what's going on? Uh, you know, why hasn't Messi done it? But what's next for Messi? And what does this this trophy mean? You know, we've seen Messi retire before and, and come back. Will the World Cup uh, be his... Last dance. I think that's kind of the question that everyone is, you know, is 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 looking at at the moment now. Um, Hatim has just joined us on the Instagram live. Uh, Omar got lots to say about the England performance and aftermath for final loss. What's your thoughts? Topic. Hatim, where you been, man? <laughs> I know Hatim is not in the country. Um, <laughs> it's probably working on the World Cup as we speak, but what I will say Hatim is head over to the YouTube channel later Super Mario and Gabby will put the episode on and I have a, a long segment on the Euro 2020 uh, of what's happened on there right okay we're going to take a quick break we got some Burner Boy the music's on point today shout out to RR as well who's in the building and then we have our final segment and Masoud I will be answering your questions and Hatim after the break enjoy this is the Halftime Show with Omar um, and Duri. on 0995 Oh, he loves the fire that. What a goal! This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri on Pulse95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! Wonderful! <laughs> It sure is that time. It's the halftime show. It's almost full time on the halftime show. We're taking your questions in now as we speak. Um, a lot of people drop in their questions on yesterday. And some people actually ask me questions about the Euro 2020, which understandably, obviously, they just joined, so they missed the first segment. If you have missed it, you can always head over to the YouTube channel and check it out. Um, right, let's take your questions on here. Okay, let's have a look. Um, Masoud... How do you visualize yourself, brother? And what's one thing you still chase for and why? That's a very good question, uh, Masoud. So I think in terms of visualization, it's really important. I think we're all human. We all kind of have, you know, our own way of interpreting things. And obviously, the more experience we get, the more we understand how to handle and manage situations. I think that's a very, very good question. Um, And the thing with that is, again, we're very, you know, we're... And we're always good at giving advice. <laughs> I think all of us are excellent at giving advice. But following our own advice is probably one of the hardest things. And, uh, and I'm one of those people as well. So even though I'm a coach, obviously, I fall under that belt. And I do strive to be better. I think every day, there's something that keeps me going to try and be a better version of myself. And I think the reason why is because it gives more to those that matter, the people around me, you know, family, friends you know, these kind of things. And also being a coach as well, you're always thinking, you're always trying to, trying to find the right balance, the right formula to kind of execute things. So I think I wouldn't necessarily say I'm chasing it, but it's something that, you know, you, you want to do because, you know, there's always so much more you can do. And it's only when you get too comfortable, do you not, you know, um, you know, you know, you don't develop. So I think that's just hopefully that answers your question, but yeah, that's, that's something I'm definitely striving to, to improve and work on. Um, What did you think of the formations yesterday? Um, Look, to be honest, I I, I genuinely think that coming into this tournament, there's not many people that would have, um, you know, given Southgate uh, a hope and probably thought that he, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. But I have to say, um, the way he's conducted himself, the way he's managed things, you also got to realize that a few of his players have had issues and situations which he's had to deal with, which maybe in the past would have been magnified. Bringing in the media, very, very good move. A club-like mentality where players are genuinely embracing themselves and they genuinely care about each other. I've heard things like Connor Cody has been the best player uh, in the England squad and he hasn't played. You know, uh, having real leaders there, having, uh, you know, Mason Greenwood and, um, and Phil Foden, you know, had a problem uh, during lockdown. Uh, he dropped them kept them out taught them a lesson brought them back in gave them a chance it's all about giving people chances allowing them to develop and learn and i think he's a very good teacher Uh, is he the best person for the job i think that's still out there to be seen but saying that now more than ever coaches are learning to treat the humans a a certain way which brings out the best in them And whilst before it was an old school approach, it was quite authoritarian, I think the humanitarian approach on coaching now um, definitely has a lot to give. And and I think that's what Southgate's proved in this. He can learn a lot from yesterday and he can learn a lot from Mancini, who's been there and done that. And that's why I think, you know, it's very, very key to kind of have the right people around. Um, Right, we, we are approaching full time, man on the Halftime Show. Um, I've had so much fun with you guys. I mean, apart from getting abused when I came in to Pulse 95 Radio by my friends and colleagues here. It's great to uh, be able to see you guys, to be able to, to, to speak to you guys and also connect with you guys. Remember, you catch the show every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday, three to four, or if you do miss it, like some of you have done, unfortunately, ask me, what's the topic's about? What do you think of the Euros? Catch it on YouTube. I'll see you guys. Peace and love, and I'll see you back again on Wednesday.